This is February 23rd, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, great week. Hope you guys enjoyed the Lake Tahoe game. That was uh, that was something, and uh, that was something that Connor and I discussed at length in this episode. Uh, we also got into uh, some some trade rumors. It's it's almost that time of year. We 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 got to ring it in the right way, and it feels like the Bruins are in on the right guy, the right defenseman, Mateus Eckholm. When we get into him. We take a deep dive on him because uh, Connor had a weekend notebook that took a very deep dive on him. I suggest you go check that out uh, at Boston Sports Journal. But but we get into it a lot um, in this episode. And again, as I said, I think he's the guy. Uh, we get into a lot of bigger picture question uh, stuff in this episode, which as you guys know by this point is that's my wheelhouse. I love that stuff. I love projecting into the future and, and, and thinking about what something might mean in three months. Uh, typically not always right, but that, that's okay. Nobody is. Uh, but, uh, that's what I like to discuss. And, and, and we sure had a lot of that on this episode. Uh, as always, I'd like to say thank you for the support on Bruins Rinkside on the YouTube channel. I hope you guys are enjoying that. Uh, go make sure to go subscribe over there. There's podcasts, uh, interviews, press conferences, pretty much everything, uh, is over at the YouTube channel. That's been at least my focus, uh, to start the season. Um, and then obviously thank you for supporting this podcast as well. I have to say thank you for that. Uh, I hope you guys are enjoying it. Uh, continue to send me places, uh, that you're listening from. I always love, uh, love getting those. So, uh, continue to do that. Uh, and then before we get into the episode, uh, bet online, is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You know I love bet online. I'm going to tell you a little bit about them right now. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV. That's that's something my friends love doing is uh, using bet online with reality TV shows, uh, real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And again, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. I remember going to Super Bowl Sunday. I was saying, I, I don't want to be the guy who's, who's not, you know, betting or, you know, has fun prop bets. And luckily bet online had me covered with everything with that. So uh, go over there, use that promo code CLNS50, get that 50% welcome bonus uh, and have fun with it. Honestly, have fun with it. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing very well. Ready to go. Listen to Bobby Girl a few times, riled up, <laughs> all set. Gonna make it like an annual tradition now. Not an annual. I'm gonna do it a, a daily tradition. Maybe daily tradition, not or maybe, annual. Or, or you know, maybe you can't do it like every single day. Maybe we'll cut it to right before like recording a pod. Like that'll be kind of my warm up music, get me ready for oh, yeah. an engaging conversation with you about all things Bruins hockey. So I think that'll be the plan going forward. Well, I was thinking more it'd be like a, a celebration uh song because that's what they used it for the post game dancing celebration. So maybe. We listen to Crazy Train to get us going before. That's true. And then I mean, we always, we, then we listen to Barbie Girl after and put on the pink sun. I have my glasses on now. You there know, you oh, go. I can, I can color them in pink and there boom. You go. 
we're ready to go. Absolutely. But so yes, no Barbie. It's funny. I was working earlier this morning and I was like, you know, I haven't listened to Barbie girl in like years. I'm going to put it on real quick. There's and I no did. shame I, in that. Yeah. No shame. I turned it down a little bit. So the roommates couldn't hear, but I listened to it and it was, it was good. It was better than I remember it. I mean, if you turned it up, you probably would have had another fiasco because everyone just started dancing. Like, That's it's true. Probably, it's That's not true. embarrassing. It's just, you'd have a, a whole brouhaha of the house. I can't interrupt them while they're working. No, I can't course, interrupt yeah. them while they're working. So I, I, I figure out of a service to them, I didn't play Barbie girl that loud because I didn't want them to jump out of their desks and start dancing. Of course. Um, you save that for the weekend. That's for the weekend. Yes. Barbie girls, a, a weekend only type thing, but yeah, celebration time is Barbie girl time. And that was, I, I, I said this to you, um, <laughs> that David Posternock zoom media availability was like an acid trip. <laughs> like pink sunglasses, uh, in the, he's out in the freezing, freezing cold to death, yeah. in the wind. Uh, they have him like with the backdrop is just like, you know, it, it looks, looks like, like the, he's the Blair Witch Black. Project. Yes. Yes. Blair Witch Project, the pink sunglasses. He's talking about Barbie girl. All the guy wants to do is leave. Um, he's got the, doesn't you know, know what just, song's going to be playing when he gets back. It's probably like Creed or something. It's, yeah. It doesn't, doesn't get the boys going the same it's way. Got Nickelback going when he gets yeah, back. No. Um, but no, the, per- the perfect part was, you know, I wonder what they're going to play when, when I get back. Uh, they've, they've, I hope they played Barbie girl again. I hope they played it on repeat for him again to, to, to fully enjoy, um, and not get interrupted, uh, as, as, uh, as he did. Unfortunately by us, we ruined it. Us media members, we, we blew it for him, but, no. um, uh, so that was that, uh, the, but the posture thing was perfect. That was, uh, that's that, that media availability might be my favorite of the year thus far. I think that was, uh, safe to say, so to speak, but, um, bigger picture from Tahoe. Uh, obviously they win seven, three. Okay, great. What does it mean to me? And, uh, I, I woke up this morning and I was like, maybe I won't feel the same way. Maybe I will wake up and I will feel different about the, the game and, I won't be, you know, caught up in the hype of it. Uh, and this is over, a, well, not over a day later, but close to a day later now that we're recording this. This team looks legitimate. And that game, that game looked like a real bonding experience. One that you see these teams that go deep always have. You know, 2019, the you know Bruins started the season in China. They went to South Bend. They did the Peaky Blinders. They embraced it. Oh, it's early, but damn, this team looks pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think just if you want to look at just the big picture uh, perspective, you know, on the ice, it's great. They they get a win like that. Um, uh, we're multiple guys contributing. Obviously, you know, Frederick gets on the board. Uh, you know, we talked about it yesterday, but Vakanainen looks solid being pressed into uh, a spot like that, you know, playing over 23 minutes of ice time. Uh, I think just maybe just in terms of just the big picture, it's you look at just, I think the team kind of needed a an event like this or something. You know, this is obviously a very different year on multiple levels, but it's also not like these guys are really afforded much time off the ice to really gel or, or bond, you know, beyond you know, it's not like they can even do that much stuff in the dressing room now based on the new uh, COVID uh, protocol. So a lot of that kind of relies on, uh, you know, what you do on the ice or some of these uh, things that they planned, like, the you know, wearing the 90s outfits or what have you. Um, it, 
you know, those things can go a long way in terms of just building, you know, camaraderie. And, you know, for as much as this team still has a lot of the usual faces that we're used to seeing, they also have quite a few new guys, whether it's, you know, Craig Smith or younger players, um, you know, like Vac and I and, you know, Lozon who got hurt or uh, just, you know, multiple, multiple other guys who are stepping into these roles, like, an event like this where you're able to all kind of be together and gel can go a long way towards kind of building that camaraderie for a season. So it seems like that's what the players were grateful for, for, you know, even with all the kind of, uh, you know, things you deal with, with these outdoor games, whether it's the national showcase or the conditions out there, it seemed like, you know, post game, I'm sure they're happy because they also won seven to three, which, you know, played a big uh, role in it, but. Well, as John Moore said, they couldn't have walked out of their nineties. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, but I, I think you just look at the, the grand scheme of things. It was an event that I think the Bruins kind of needed just to kind of, uh, further kind of build those bonds. Cause you kind of saw that in South Bend where, uh, you know, they were in a bit of a rut before that game. Uh, they come back, they win a game in overtime against the Sabres, I think, right before they go to South Bend. And then they have that, that win in South Bend and it kind of got them rolling for that second half there and started that kind of second half turn. So I'm not sure if this is like a season defining kind of victory or something like that, but I think considering how few chances the Bruins have to really kind of bond off the ice, I think an event like this can kind of go a long way for sure. Yeah, and they fully embraced it. I think that was also an important thing. I mean, it felt, I felt bad for the Flyers. They had nobody. They played <laughs> one game in 14 days. Uh, they had just stricken with COVID. So obviously, you know, you were not playing a top tier team. This is not like you went and beat, you know, uh, the Soviets. This is not miracle on ice, but uh, I will say though, it is interesting. Uh, you mentioned the not being able to bond and, and, and Cassidy has mentioned that. Um, but it's funny. I was watching behind the B earlier today and even in the dressing room, you have to wear masks. You know, oh, yeah. you're wearing masks in the dressing room, working out. So you're never really seeing guys like face to, you know, fully face except for on the ice and stuff and, uh, and on the bench. And so to me, it, I think these moments are, you know, people, all, we, people always think, you know, we play this up, we play this up, but it's true. These are big bonding moments, uh, that can change the course of a, of a season for a team. They did not need a change of course. They're in first place. Uh, they are looking very good, but, uh, for the future. I do think, you know, I mean, it's tough because this team continues to look good and they're deep up front, even with injury, they're deep up front. Now we'll get to the back end in the back end of the show, but, but they are deep up front. And, and uh, I do think this team has the potential to go very far in the playoffs. I'm not ready to say like, oh, I think they're going to win the cup because it's also way too early to say that. Um, but I, it's funny. I don't remember someone could probably go and find the audio or maybe there was a game last year. There was a game against Winnipeg that uh, I remember uh, after being like, you know, I I remember Ty wrote something about how uh, there was a game against Winnipeg in Winnipeg where there were some fights and that was like a big bonding moment for the Bruins. Um, But I don't remember ever feeling last year, like, Oh, you know, this team is, I I don't remember getting the feeling I got last night. Uh, And maybe that's a, I'm in the moment type thing. Maybe Maybe we've been through a lot over the past year. Maybe I'm forgetting some stuff, but I don't remember a, a time last night where, or a time last year where I felt like I did about the Bruins last night, where it was like, okay, they have it. They have yeah. it. And maybe I'm early. Maybe I'm early, but, and, and you know what? They're only just going to break all of your hearts. <laughs> so <laughs> just they're bringing you up just to bring you back down. But do you feel yeah. the same way? I mean, do you think that this is, there's something there? I mean, I don't think this team has the talent. It's, 
I think maybe the difference from this year to last year is last year they were more or less just kind of a wagon for the entire year, right? They really didn't have too many dips where, I mean, you see, you saw right from, uh, you know, the start of training camp in 2019 where it seemed like that team was on a mission and it just seemed like they kept on rolling and rolling as the year went on. This year you go into the year and you expected this team was going to have maybe one more legitimate shot at the cup, but there were a lot of unknowns, right? You lose Char and crew. You don't know how that decor is going to look. Uh, you're hopeful for how the forward depth was going to be going into the year. Um, but that was still no guarantee. You know, you were hoping that DeBrusque would break through or Kosh would be healthy or, you know, Craig Smith would help out. But still, until you see those guys out on the ice, you really don't know what to expect. Um, so I think maybe it's more or less the fact that I think, um, this team, one, I think they've pleasantly surprised a lot of people in other areas where people weren't maybe expecting like the defense. Um, you're seeing, uh, you know, guys like Frederick step up, uh, Lozon, you know, Zaboro, Vakanin, uh, being, uh, playing on Sunday. All those guys uh, stepping in, I think that's helped out. And I think maybe just the fact that it's a, you know, a national showcase, a game like that where they really kind of, uh, you know, manhandled the, the flyers in that game. I think that probably has a lot of people thinking like, wow, this team, you know, as much as it's maybe a different cast of character in terms of, you know, further down the lineup, you still got kind of that same veteran core leading the way. There's still a tight knit group. Um, you know, you still have sent a lot of the same guys that were here two years ago and they went to the cup. Um, it's a whole lot of buying with that whole group as a whole. So I think it's more or less just the fact that it's a, maybe reassuring that, for all maybe the question marks that people had going into the year, this is still a very, very good team. It's still a team that when they're on can absolutely bury you uh, in multiple areas of the game. And, you know, I think maybe just a, maybe not like a statement win, but it's just a, a, maybe a reassuring that, you know, this team's still in good hands for at least this year in terms of, you know, having the possibility of mounting another pretty legitimate cup run in a couple of months. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And you mentioned uh, the defense, which I guess we will, we will get into now. Uh, so Jeremy Lozon uh, leaves uh, the Lake Tahoe game after only, I think, like 34 seconds, 34 seconds of time on ice. 34 seconds. Those were 34 seconds he'll never forget. Um, but he did leave with an injury. Uh, there's been no update issued yet. The Bruins head off Monday. Uh, so we will probably get a better update later Tuesday or maybe Wednesday. Um, but uh, it begs the it, – it, it, it puts this forward, and, and I know Bruins fans will cringe when they hear this um, – the three left shot defensemen you began the year with, uh, Jeremy Lozon, Matt Grizzlick, Jacob Zaborl, all on the shelf right now with injuries, leaves John Moore and Erho Vakaninen, uh, in their place in, in the, in the wake of that. Now, uh, I don't know how you feel about that. I know how you, Connor, feel about that. I guess I can say I don't know how Bruins feel, fans feel about that, but I can imagine. Begs the question. Do they need to add a left shot defenseman at the deadline? The answer is very much yes, they absolutely do. And we knew this going into the season. This was not something that is just popping up on the Bruins. Um, and you wrote something for BSJ uh, this past weekend on why Mateus Ekholm is such a great fit. I will give you the floor to explain why Mateus Ekholm is a great fit. Just know I agree with you on pretty much most of these points. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you look at it even... Obviously, the Bruins need some depth right now because, you know, we could be in a situation where when the Bruins resume play on Thursday, if Grizzly is a borrel on healthy, you know, you could be a situation where you're another body away from a guy like, you know, Nick Wolf or Cooper Zach or Jack Ashan getting called up to be uh, pressed into a service like this. So not ideal from the Bruins perspective, but even if 
this whole left side was completely healthy, where you had Lozon, Grizzlick, and Zaborum, I still think the proactive move for this team is to still acquire a a proven top four guy just to shore up that defense. Just uh, in terms of this overall security, like one, there's the health risk, which you know we remember what it was a few years ago when the Bruins played the Senators in the playoffs, and it was you know Tommy Cross and Joe Morrow and those guys like that was that was uh, you know Charlie McAvoy yeah where Charlie McAvoy was you know averaging 23 minutes of ice time um so I mean that's a worst case scenario in terms of injuries but also you just run the risk of you know going into the playoffs and as you know solid as Lozon has looked you know as promising as Zaboral has been you're still running a whole bunch of risk if you roll those guys out expecting them to kind of you know, not deal with the bumps along the road that comes with playing heavy minutes in a playoff setting against tough teams like the Capitals or, you know, Penguins, Flyers. Um, if you get past that, uh, you know, the the Lightning, you know, all these teams that are going to, you know, uh, bring it to you. So I think would you rather keep this defense, which has been great. Like you can – I think you can – you can admit that this defense has exceeded expectations and they've been very good while also acknowledging and being cognizant of the fact that if you want to go all in this year, you need more stability back there. So I think uh, a guy like Ekholm uh, makes perfect sense if you're the Bruins. I mean, he's 30 years old, big body, which will excite a lot of Bruins fans, right? Just when you, you know, he's 6'4", yeah, 6'4", 215. Um, but he's not just also like a... I wrote that you know, he's not like a guy like maybe a Brendan Dillon, who the the Capitals acquired last year, who's a you know six four big guy, but he's kind of a stay at home option. I mean, Ekholm's a a skilled defenseman back there. He's uh, one of the best over the last couple of years at generating five and five offense, which you need. Like you need all which five I on didn't. Offense. It's funny. I was reading your column. I didn't realize he was that high up with five on five offense until I read that. That was that yeah. was very interesting. Yeah, I think he was. You know. If, uh, the, the metric I rolled out, I think there's been 130 NHL defensemen since 2018 who have logged 2,000 minutes of five and five ice time. And I think he's 27th among that he group. With a rate of, of 1.07, uh, which is higher than Petrangelo, Slavin, Tori Krug, Wierenski, Miro Heiskinen, and almost Bruin, Oliver Ekman-Larsen. Yeah. So yeah, in terms of five and five points per 60 minutes, I mean, that's, that's pretty good for a guy that I think you'd be happy just in terms of the usage he gives you. Cause he's a big body, easy guy who the last four full seasons averaged over 23 minutes of ice time. So even if you got that, even if you're just a stay at home guy who gave you 23 minutes, that would go a long way, you know, whether it's, you know, you slot him with McAvoy and then it bumps down Lozon into easier matchups, or maybe you pair him with, Brennan Kahlo and that gives Grizzly a chance to slot back down to a third pairing role and you get those easier matchups. So uh, wherever you put, you put him, it, it's better for the Bruins to just have that extra depth and those guys slotted further down. And um, whether it's, you know, Vakanainen or, or Lozon or one of those guys, you know, it's not a bad thing if they're in the third, you know, third pairing role, they're still going to have many more years to continue to elevate their game. Like you just don't want to throw them into the fire for the playoffs. So I think if you're the Bruins, uh, I think they need to acquire any depth back there. But I think if you're, you know, shooting for the stars in terms of a realistic target to get who would impact your team down both areas of the ice, I think Ekholm uh, really stands out as a guy that uh, they would love to acquire. And I'm sure a bunch of other contenders that need help on the that need help on the blue line, they're also going to be vying for his services. Yeah, I don't think Ekholm's going to be an easy guy to get by any means. But you really think about it, and as you said, like Grizzly can go down to that third pairing, and and again. Just like last off, just like, uh, you know, during the last postseason run, you know, if you need a goal late or, you know, you, you need it, you have an offensive zone shift, 
you you might want to put Grizzlick with with McAvoy. Um, and you kind of have that option. You also can throw Zaboral in there. You can throw uh, you know, if you're sitting lows on, you put him in there. Clifton, you have options. That's what you want. You have options. Um, and I think ultimately when you're going against these teams in the playoffs, um, you don't want just six guys, especially if they're especially if three of them are are sort of young. Uh, with Grizzlick, Lozon, and, and Zaboral down that side, especially considering that, you know, now they have injury issues. Um, so you don't really want to risk that come the playoffs. And again, situationally, uh, having Ekholm would be amazing. I mean, you know, if you could put him with Carlo on a D zone draw, um, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously they, the Bruins would never answer this, but where <laughs> Ekholm would fit, I mean, obviously he'd either be with McAvoy or Carlo. Um, I mean, Lozon and McAvoy have been good. Maybe you'd put Ekholm with, with, um, with Carlo. Carlo. Uh, but either way, I think that I, I don't see the, the problem in this. Now, obviously the next question is what's it going to take? Now you referenced, uh, what it took to get Jake Muzzin. Um, and cause you referenced Muzzin and Martinez, you focus mainly though on, on Muzzin. And that was a first in two prospects. So I know a lot of Bruins fans hear that and go, Oh, another first. Uh, but I I'll say this, I'll say this. First of all, um, this Bruins team is not the greatest at drafting. So you can put that up there, but mainly like we say this every year, they only have so many kicks at the can left. Why would you give that up for, you know, granted they've given up a bunch of first round picks, but realistically, why would, why wouldn't you just continue to try to go all in? Cause it feels like, you know, it's so funny when uh, the Bruins deal away their first round picks. It's, Oh my God, you're mortgaging the future. And then when they don't do enough at the deadline and they don't give them any first round picks or they do, you know, they did last year. It's oh, they don't, they didn't get enough at the deadline. So it's like this, this feels like it would be a really, really smart, good move. And the, and, and honestly, you mentioned it in the, in the piece, one of the prospects in quotations that could be included is Jacob Zaboro. Yeah. Or even, you know, they could also look at a guy like Vakanan and I just look at the perspective of the Predators where they're clearly rebuilding. Um, and also they have to be cognizant though of the Seattle expansion draft. They also have to protect their three defensemen. So you're looking at probably, uh, obviously Yossi, uh, Ellis and then maybe Fabro. So maybe it's a guy they want like Vakanan who wouldn't have to be exposed or, or something like that. Um, that could be a situation, but I think definitely a first rounder is going to be the the baseline asking price here. I don't think you're going to get a, a Martinez situation just because I think there's so many teams that are desperate for a guy like Ekholm, who is also, you know, affordable with his cap hit and also is under contract for another year. Um, but I think for the Bruins, yeah, it's one of the situations where, you know, once they finally start rebuilding, which who knows if they're going to even fully blow it up. I feel like this team, even once Bergeron retires, they're going to be, doing what they can through free and see to kind of reload because you still got guys like McAvoy and Pasternak here. So, um, Marshawn you know, as well. Yeah. Like you look back, if the Bruins traded like two first rounders back in 2018 for Mock Stone, where they fell just short of that, would we be moaning that now of having Mock Stone on the team? No, you'd probably win a friggin' cup if you had Mark Stone or, you know, you, yeah, like, <laughs> yes. it, I don't think you would be complaining about that. Like when you've got this window that you're in right now, that's getting, you know, smaller and smaller every single year. Uh, I'm all for if you have a legitimate flaw in the team to correct, you know, go get a guy, but also get a, a sure, a sure bet, you know, get a guy like Ekholm or a guy like, if you when you do upgrade up front, like Kyle Palmieri, like go get, get someone who. I was going to say Ekholm would be a comparable. It's funny what the Bruins offered Palmieri last year mm-hmm. is sort of comparable to what they would have to offer Ekholm this year, given that 
They're comparable-ish players in their respective positions, and they also have a year plus on their deal. Yeah, so, I mean, again, I think, would you be happier in hindsight if you traded that first-round pick and got, last year and got Kyle Palmieri back or Andre Kasha? Like, you'd obviously take Kyle Palmieri, like – uh, Kyle Palmieri is about as sure of a bet as you can in terms of, you know, 20 plus goals, 50 points a season. Uh, he's a good two way player as well. Like if you're giving a first round pick, uh, you have to, especially this year, make it be a guy who's a sure bet, right? It can't be a guy who, as much as I think, you know, we both love to reference, you know, kind of the advanced stats or metrics and Andre Kosh is a guy who, you know, fits all the checks off all the boxes there in terms of what he could br- provide. He wasn't a sure bet, like when you got him, based on injuries and just you know overall potential. You hoped he would uh, break out here, but it wasn't a sure bet. So you get a guy like Akwom, who's been proven over the years to be a durable defenseman um, and a proven five and five uh, producer of offense, or a guy like Paul Mary. Like you know what you're going to get there, and that justifies the cost of first rounder because this isn't the year to be worried about you know mortgage in the future when you've got. Krejci in his last year, uh, Rask in his last year. Who knows what happens there? Bergeron's not getting any any younger. He's got that groin injury that you have to imagine is going to eventually wear on him uh, in the next couple of years. Like this is now not the time to be worried about your assets. When also the fact that let's be frank, like do they have a top prospect system? No, but you know what? They're churning out guys who are reliable NHL players like Frederick. Lozon, um, Zaboral, Vakanainen, who looked good, who could be, you know, still could be a top pairing guy down the road, or at least a top four guy. Sidnika, Sean's looked really good down in Providence. Nick Wolf, uh, Blauco, uh, Mason Lorai is doing great down in the USHL. Kuntar with BC, like they've still got guys that are, uh, growing and developing. It's not like this system's, it's not like the Red Sox system where it was just barren for a few years, right? <laughs> like there are guys down the road who, could still be impact guys. It's not like they, they need to fully restock and trade assets to replenish their system. Is it as great as, you know, the avalanche or the Rangers? No, of course not. But you know, it's not like this team, uh, Bergeron's going to retire and everything's going to go to crap because they don't have just bodies to slot in there. There's guys who can fill in those roles. It's just, uh, you have to weigh going for it this year, which if it comes available and all it takes is a first rounder and, you know, a prospect or two, I think you do it. You have to. No, I agree. And I agree with you on the prospect thing. It's not like these guys suck. You know, they're not superstars or, you know, they don't have that potential yet, but, or they don't have the, they don't show it yet, but they easily, you know, they serviceable NHL players, I think is a, is a good way to put it. But yes, I, I don't, I, I personally think that Ekholm is your guy who you want. Um, Eddie Olchek mentioned Mark Stahl on the broadcast yesterday. Ah, uh, not sure about that one. Uh, and it's funny. It's another instance of me tweeting out a rumor or what someone what someone else said, and people thinking that I was the one saying it or supporting it. Like I, I, I did, you, I, did How dare you? I did not support Mark Stahl to the to the Bruins. I hope of this doesn't become like a narrative. Of course, uh, of course, Evan at it again. But I know that people like Mark Stahl is going to be up in trade rumors, and someone's going to say, "Oh, Ed E. Marinovsky wanted him on the Bruins." I'm like, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. I was just saying what Eddie Olchek said. And I wanted people to react to it. That was it. I'm not yeah. for Mark Stahl coming to the Bruins in any capacity other than maybe being like an assistant coach down the road. <laughs> um, 
But no, I, it's funny. I had Red Wings fans in my um, mentions being like, oh, well, if, if you take Mark Stahl, we'll knit you like Bruins sweaters and send them to you. Uh, and I was like, what? Like, what? No, that's not, that's not how you'd say you want to get rid of a guy like that. Yeah. Um, but yes, no, I, I think that uh, Mark Stahl is not the guy. Mark Stahl is certainly, certainly not the fella that, uh, that you want shorn up the back end. You might as well just keep John Moore back there. Um, so that is all. That is all the Bruins uh, stuff. We covered Tahoe. Uh, we covered what it meant. We covered Mateus Ekholm and the great column you wrote on that. And people want to read more columns. They should go to you at Boston Sports Journal. What are you working on right now that people can go look forward to? Yeah, we uh, just posted a recap of some leftover thoughts uh, from uh, Lake Tahoe. So a few uh, takeaways from, I think, guys who needed to break through on the, the scoreboard, you know, uh, Frederick and Coyle and what that means for them, uh, especially uh, with the state of the roster right now. We'll be, I bet we'll be previewing the next couple of days what this decor is going to look like, because if Lozon and Grizzly and world not ready to go, it's going to be very different. <laughs> it's going to be very... Uh, <laughs> They're going to have very, us out there on defense. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be very... It's going to be that dude who is swan diving in the Speedo uh, yes. in the game. Uh, hey, if that dude's willing to jump into that water with a Speedo, he'd be g- gladly blocking the He's fearless. Yeah, exactly. He's fearless. Um, so we'll be breaking down the state of the decor if that's kind of what plays out once we. He's like uh, Matt Light comedy, fearless, just of course, edgy of fearlessness. Course. That that might have been him. That might have been his big break. So <laughs> it's a shame he, he finally get, got that uh, national breaking. exposure. Of course. Um, so we're breaking down that just how the way the rosters kind of shape out uh, with all these injuries that have been hitting them, uh, and we'll have a bunch of other stuff for BSJ. So if you guys want to subscribe, go to bostonsportsjournal.com, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore ninety three. Go do all that. And for CLS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins B listeners have a great rest of your week. 